Again, good morning. I hope you had a wonderful sleep last night. If you, for those who weren't here yesterday morning, we talked about one of the primary purposes, the primary purpose of prayer. And the primary purpose of prayer is communion, fellowship, friendship. It's not about what we get. It's about who we know. It's about having that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And we talked about that yesterday. Today we're going to talk about praying the will of God. Do you know what the will of God is for your life? For all people to be saved. Very good. Any others? He wants the best for us. Also, there are a few new ones here. My type of preaching is more like teaching. I encourage participation. If you have a question, if you want to interject anything, feel free. It just adds more to the message. Don't you think, Jerry? Oh, and, and Pastor Jerry, if you want to get up here and preach it too, feel free to help. Okay, you're very happy. <coughs> I am also a respiratory therapist. And I volunteer as a chaplain in a hospital down where I live. And the question comes, is it God's will for a baby to die? Is it, a, is it I just read in um, that not too long ago, an Adventist school back east was destroyed by a storm, a tornado. Is it God's will for that school to be destroyed? Is it God's will for (coughs) our finances to plummet and we end up to be homeless? There are some people who are homeless, not because of their choice, but because of consequences. And we begin to ask ourselves, what is God's will and why does all of this happen? And so this morning, (coughs) I want to talk to you about God's will. And that did you know that there are two types of will that God has? And we're going to look at those. This was a neat picture. Some of us may never see the hand of God in our lives, but God always desires his hand to be in our lives. And this was a picture. You can't see it very well on this here, but if you can see the thumb and the fingers of God's hand outstretched. And, you know, A lot of times, God's hands are in our lives, but we never really see it. And I want to begin to tell you about a a story of my daughter at seven years old. How old are you? Nine. Nine. Well, my daughter was a little bit older than you. And one evening, she woke up with severe, severe abdominal pain, screaming, crying, and for parents who have children when your your children begin to cry you begin to hurt also and um, we took she was so much in pain that she was doubled up in a fetal position we took her to the emergency room she was admitted to the hospital and they gave all the medications that they would usually give for whatever they thought the stomach problems were, the pain did not go away. Day two, CT scans. Day 
three spinal taps. She went into the intensive care, was in the intensive care 26 days. And <clears throat> she could not eat, so they had to feed her via TPN. Um, she was in a lot of pain. As they did an ultrasound, they found that her abdomen had hundreds of um, lymph, swollen lymph nodules. And they didn't know why the swollen lymph nodules. This was at Loma Linda. So not only did we have our attendings and the anesthesiologist and all the other doctors, we had like the whole residency. So there was about 17 doctors that were trying to figure out what was wrong with her. Um, Some thought it was human parvo. Some thought it was lupus. Uh, some thought it was cancer as they were trying to rule this out. And by day 16, 17, my wife and I, well, she's, my wife spent, Lydia, raise your hand. She was so faithful that she would never leave her side. And so by day 17, we were, wondering, why is this the will of God for this little girl to suffer? And that's the question that came into our minds. It's not the will that anyone would suffer. I want to make sure that everyone realizes is Satan is the cause of all pain in our world. And disease that comes upon people is a result of sin in this world. And there are consequences like lung cancer. You smoke 50 years, you may get lung cancer. That's a result of sin. But the question then comes, is if God is all-powerful and omnipotent, why does he allow this to happen? And there are some people who blame God because they only see that maybe he didn't cause it, but he's allowing it to happen. So what do you do with a God that will allow a child to be in so much pain? One of the things that we have to realize is God is looking at the eternal picture. We are only looking at this small picture. And God wants to see everyone. I heard someone say, it is God's will that all men will be saved. And we have to realize that in our own lives that the things that happen, they may not be the most wonderful things that happen to us, but God does see the bigger picture. And he will bring you through whatever trial or problem or pain that comes your way. You know, and because of these things, people lose confidence in God, confidence in his promises. And I wanted to read this, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Did you see some very positive words in there? Confidence. No. 
that means you have the knowledge that God is going to answer the request. Now, the interesting thing is God may not always answer it the way we want it answered. But he will answer your petitions. And he will give you the understanding of why this was allowed in an individual's life. But I want you to see that the confidence is in what? In him. And that the confidence is also that we know that we hear he hears us and that he will answer us. Now, I want to talk to you just a few minutes about the two different wills of God that I have seen in the Word of God. There, yes. Oh, that comes with part two. <laughs> no, actually, I will give it to you today. You know, um, unfortunately, and, and, and this question has come to my wife and I's life many times. Why God? Um, my wife miscarried our first child at 14 weeks. Our um, third child, which I'm talk, or talking about now, Bethany, um, that was a long period of time. Our last, our first, our old. Well, I don't know how to. <laughs> our 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 oldest living child um, got cancer when he was fifteen, and so we have had a series of of uh, challenges in our life that continue to even even if you're an elder in the church or a pastor, you ask God, why, why is this happening? Matter of fact, we just got an email from a very close friend in Maine. Here's a, a man who, him and his wife, has committed their life to serving God. And she just died at uh, 58, Lydia? About 58 of uh, ovarian cancer. And this was just right before their camp meeting over there. And they were really hoping to go to camp meeting. And you ask, here's a man who spent and his wife, their life serving him. Why, Lord? But we know that God has a plan. And I, going back to understanding his will, there are two types of will God has. I call it the will of decree or sovereign will. And I've got visitors You know, the sovereign will of God is the will that cannot be changed. And we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about his sovereign will. Um, as it states here, the first meaning of the will of God is God's sovereign control of all things. We will call this the sovereign will or the will of decree. It cannot be broken. It always comes to pass. Some examples. These events include Judas' betrayal of Jesus, the hatred of Jesus received from his enemies. And I gave these two scriptures because I want you to understand that the sovereign will of God is you will find most in prophecy. This will happen no matter what. 
But we will see that there is another will of God that takes place in the scriptures and in our lives. But I'll give you a few more. The casting of lots for Jesus' clothing, the piercing of Jesus' side. As you see, both in the Old Testament prediction or prophecy and also in the New Testament, you see that this cannot be changed. It was God's sovereign will that the earth was created in six days so that we would have a Sabbath to celebrate. It is God's sovereign will that all men be saved, but he does not take the choice away from man. Sovereign will, if, if, do you remember Daniel chapter 2 and the, the statue? And the rise and fall of the nations, that's God's sovereign will. And as we read here in Daniel 4.35, all the people in the world are but a drop in the bucket to him. He does what he pleases among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stop him or question what he does. That's the sovereign will of God. He raises up kingdoms and he lets them fall. Sometimes I wonder if our government that we have today is according to God's sovereign will. That this is just part of the plan that's leading us to the close of Earth's history. It gets you to wonder of what God's sovereign will is. But then there is God's will of command. And what I call this is God's permissive will. Because in God's will of command, or as it states here, his will is what commands us to do. This is the will of God that we can disobey or fail to do. God's permissive will you'll find in the scriptures and it allows us to disobey it. But it's still his will that he gives it. You can look at any command in the scriptures as God's permissive will. God's permissive will is in the Ten Commandments. His will is that you do not steal. His will is for you to keep the Sabbath. His will is for you to, to trust and honor your parents. But you have the choice to disagree, to disobey, but you know that it is his will that we keep his commandments. And that, that obedience then comes from that of love. Now, we, I have asked earlier, so what is God's permissive will? Or I actually, I just said, what is God's will? Here are some scripture verses. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So, from this passage, for those who are praying for yourself, is it God's will for you to be holy? Is it God's will for you to abstain from sexual immorality? But you still have that choice. For this is the will of God, by that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. First Peter 
So what's the will of God? Not that we always want to put foolish men to silence, (laughs) but to do good works. It is God's will that His love abides so much in you that you appreciate and you're so thankful for what He has done for you that you want to do good works. Not that you have to, but that God's love wells up in your heart and flows over to others. Oh, I like this one. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 18. And I am not sure why those little square boxes are there. Uh, it's, I guess, the modern graphics today. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the congregation should really be excited and say, Amen. But you know what? <clears throat> so, you know, we always like, pick, we always like picking on our, our, our faith sometimes. And I'm just another one of those that, that says, we need more glad Venice than Adventists. Um, A lot of times we have all the truth. We have the gift of the spirit of prophecy. We have the Sabbath that that I call it God's date night with man. And yet we're not excited and we're not happy about it. And here the scripture in God's permissive will says, brothers and sisters, I want you to be happy and be rejoicing always. Pray without ceasing. Every breath that we have should be in prayer. Yesterday I told you about the importance of prayer. And that for victory in your life, you have to be an individual of prayer. And in everything, give thanks. How can my wife and I give thanks as we see our daughter in the hospital? In agonizing pain. And not knowing if it's cancer. And it got to the point where... We had an anesthesiologist come in and start prepping her for surgery. They were going to do an exploratory lap on her to do some biopsies of the lymph nodes. Now, this is a little scary part. Then another physician came in, and we told him, oh, the anesthesiologist was here asking about surgery. And the doctor goes, what surgery? <laughs> and... Uh, I go, well, yeah, I think you should have a little round with the other doctors there. And, um, and I'll tell you what happens. What is the will of God? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in this passage, tell me, what is the will of God? Okay. Uh, We can actually do a whole sermon on these two verses. Not be conformed to the world is God's will. You are a peculiar people chosen for a purpose to proclaim the gospel. The three angels message uh, that our speaker in the evening has been doing so well to give to us. 
It is God's perfect will that you are holy, set aside for a special purpose, and that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That the latter rain may begin here and now. And what happened? And Satan wants to always mess me up. And greater is he that is in you than he is that is in the world. You know, so the will of God, there's the permissive and there is the sovereign will of God. Permissive allows us to be disobedient and, and fail that will. Sovereign means there's nothing that we can do to change it. You know, yesterday we talked about the garden experience of prayer and experiencing that relationship. It's interesting that another aspect of the will of God is going to be shown to us in the other garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. But I want to finish the story about my daughter. So after that was when the physician and the anesthesiologist came in for the surgery. That was day 22. And um, we just didn't know what what to do when the doctors didn't have any knowledge. And, and now that we were getting scared because the doctors didn't know what the other doctors were doing. And, um, you know, both my wife and I were respiratory therapists. And I was working at Loma Linda. And... Um, you know, as medical professionals, sometimes we, we know, and especially as Adventist medical professionals, we know that God works through the human agencies of physicians and nurses. And so that was our first thought. Fix her. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, we, you know, we did offer up prayer. But then it, it came to us, if anyone's sick among you, let him call for the elders. And it's one of those V8 moments. <laughs> I should have called for the elders at the very beginning instead of waiting to this point. And so we called for the elders to come. And before they got there, my wife and I, we prayed over my daughter. And what, had, what the Lord was looking for was for us to be able to release our daughter. And in our prayer, we gave, Lord, we thank you for the seven years that you gave us with our daughter. But we release her and give her back to you. And when we did that, God does a miracle. And that was day 22. Day 24, she was out of the ICU. Day 26, she was home. And they couldn't find any problems inside her. Never had surgery. And I thought, what a testimony for a a person who's almost grown up in the church that I didn't pray first. And, And it is wise to use medical physicians and nurses because God has trained them to use their gift. But sometimes we forget And we don't take it to God like we should. 
and release what He's given us back to Him. Now, i got to tell you about my son. <laughs> my son was diagnosed at 14. I just turned 15. He was rock climbing with the Pathfinder Club. And he fell against a rock and hurt his ankle. And we went and had it x-rayed. They didn't see anything. And it kept hurting for a month or two. And then um, we finally took it to another a doctor, a specialist, and they found that he had cancer in his ankle. And so <coughs> I learned from my first mistake. <laughs> I, I, I called, I called, it was just, just prior, I think, to camp meeting here. And I, all the pastors were up um, helping set up the tents and stuff. And I asked all the pastors, can you come and anoint and pray for my son. And uh, I'm going to get this. I'm not only going to get elders, but I'm going to get pastors. <laughs> They're really connected with God. And uh, I had all of these Adventist pastors pray for him. And then <clears throat> we were st still going through the process. We went to San Francisco. They, their first diagnosis was Ewing sarcoma. And, and then after that, they found out it was osteosarcoma and so what ended up happening was I thought okay I called the Adventist pastors I'm gonna I have some Pentecostal friends so I called some of my Pentecostal pastors I go I know you guys are full of the spirit will you come over and pray for my son so I had every pastor in Tahoe praying for my son and uh, you know in a way, he did the answer. My son is 29 now. He's been free of cancer, but at the cost of a leg. Uh, he's an amputee, and he continues to deal with the problems that an amputee may have with chronic pain and, and things like that. But you know, it's interesting. In one place, we saw a, a miraculous healing take place where there was no loss. And then in another place, there was a loss. But, you know, I'm, did I remember I mentioned about the big picture? In our daughter, we had a friend at church who was like the, uh, how, would you, how would you describe her? The watcher? Newly converted. Newly converted. And she would watch everything that was taking place. And when our daughter was finally healed... She goes, what she was doing is she was continually keeping in contact with us for those 26 days. And then she'd go back to the church and tell the church what's happening. And it was a testimony to the church that we continued to keep our faith in God. And, and after the loss of my son's leg and his healing from cancer, it's the interesting thing is the big picture is that my son ministers to many amputees now. And, and so even though it was hard for us and it's still hard for him, the bigger picture is that God brings or allows things to come into our lives that we may minister to other people. It's all about giving glory to him 
and ministering to others, being other-centered. I wanted to go because I said the first work in this slide, the first work is to pray God's will. Our Father, who art in heaven, there is the glory being given to him. Hallowed be thy name. There's the honor and adoration. Thy will be done. It was the second thing and the prayer of the, the what we call the Lord's Prayer was that the will of God would be done. And, and so a lot of times we throw it in at the very end. We give all our requests and, and then we say, of course, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. But God wants to make sure that you have it on your heart that it's the first work that we're always praying his will. Another place you see Christ praying the will of God is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as you see in the little phrase, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Do you know what's happening here in the Garden of Gethsemane? He, he, he's beginning his separation from God. The sin of the world has come upon him. And he's feeling the, the blackness, the emptiness of not having the Father there. Here throughout his life, he was connected with the Father. And now as sin was coming upon him, he didn't know what to do. He called his disciples to come. And he asked them to pray with him. Because he was agonizing. The, the, the scripture says that he was agonizing in prayer. He was feeling that total separation and the darkness of not having anyone. Three times he went back to those disciples say, how is it that you could not watch with me in prayer? He needed someone and there was no one. How many times have we needed someone, but we've always had Jesus there? You know, he is so good to us because it is his will to have that communion with you that your hearts would relish and hunger for his word and hunger to help and, and reach out to others. It's all about that. And, and as I went on to look to find out what the will of God is and that permissive will, because you say, well, what can we pray for? Well, here's a few. That we do not enter temptation, Matthew 26, 41. For ministers of the word, Colossians 4, 3 and 2, and Thessalonians. Prayer for our, our government authorities. We're told to pray for our enemies, for God to send missionaries, for relief of affliction, for healing the, our fellow believers. How many have you, have you prayed for those who have been sick? Now, you know, the interesting thing, again, is as a chaplain, as I go in... I prayed for many that are very, very sick. And it's hard when you pray for someone and they die. And how do you explain it to the family? And, and yet, God, God sometimes says, I want you to trust in me. You may not know the reason why this is happening, but trust in me. There are... God is calling us 
not to look for the results, but to just trust in Him. It is that trusting relationship that connects us with one another. You know where it says in the Scriptures, confess your faults one to another? Because it's, it's not talking about sins. I'm not, our sins should only be confessed to Jesus Christ. But there is a point of transparency. As I have shared with you this morning some of the things that have happened in our life, I have become transparent. We have connected on some level that when you're not transparent, you will never connect. God calls us to be so tight of a family that when we're down and when we need to be ministered to, that you will see the need. God places in your heart the spirit that you can come. And, and for my wife and I who have had illness after illness happen in our, our, it's given us a great compassion for those who are suffering the same things. Amen. And you know, this is God's call to all of us. There are individuals who have to work three, four jobs at a time. And you're asking why, but God has a plan for you to minister to someone who's going through the exact same thing. We're here together, and we're on the road together to eternity. And God is calling us to minister for one another. When we begin to do the will of God, this, look what this says. The purest joy springs from the deepest humiliation. The strongest and noblest characters are built on the foundation of patience, love, and submission to the will of God. I want to suggest to you this morning that as you are submissive to the will of God, patience and love and that strong character is a byproduct of our submission to him. And sometimes we always turn it around that we have this whole long list of the things that we have to do and this whole long list of sins we have to get out of our life before we can have the sweet fellowship with Christ. But Christ is calling us to have sweet fellowship with him. And guess what happens? The Lord takes care of that. You know, I use this, this illustration all the time. How do you get... How do you empty out all the air in a glass? You fill it up. The only way we can empty out sin in our life is to fill it up with Christ. And Christ pushes that out. Just a few more quotes. And how, how do I have for time? Huh? Six minutes. Ooh, 15. Great. Our salvation depends on the knowledge of truth contained in the scriptures. It is God's will that we should possess it. So what should God's will be for us? In that first sentence, that we should possess the knowledge of truth. That's why God calls us not just to rely upon our emotions to guide us in our walk, but that we would add to our emotions and add to the Spirit of God a knowledge of truth. 
Oh, search the precious Bible with hungry hearts. Explore God's word as the miner explores the earth to find veins of gold. Never give up the search until you have ascertained your relation to God and his will in regard to you. Christ declared whatsoever ye ask in my name. That will I do, that the heavenly Father, or that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye ask anything in my name, and I will do it. With this quote, I need to ask you one quick question. What does it mean to ask in the name of God? Is there a special magic in the word Jesus? That's the name. So what, what, what is it, when we always hear people say, let's ask in the name of Jesus, what does that, what does that mean? Willingness to do his will. Praise the Lord. Yes, one more. That we believe that Christ is, what was the word you brought? Intercessor. Amen. And then you said, speak right here. In his character. Did you hear that? In his character. You see, in Bible times, names were given to people based upon what was their plan in life or what their character was to be like. Jacob was the supplanter, but then turned to Israel, one who wrestled with God and overcame. You see, in the name was the character of the individual. And so I want you to think about this now. Whatsoever you ask in my character, see, Christ is living in you, and as Christ lives in you, then you have his character, correct? So now the things that you ask for are going to be based upon what his character would ask for. So it's not about this, the word J-E-S-U-S, but it's about the character that he places in you now gives you the desire and the hope that Christ has that all shall be saved. So now my whole prayer life begins to change. My prayer life is now praying for the salvation of others, divine appointments that I may have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus or that I may even do a kind deed. You know, we get caught up in our witnessing have to be in about words. Our witnessing can be about the good deeds that we do for people and that the love of Christ that we show them. One or two more, and we will have our time of prayer. How do we pray in God's will? Not to all who would enter the gates of the city be open, but to those only who have studied to know God's will and have yielded their lives to his control. What's the key here? The key, yielded faith, studying to know God's will, and does this have a laser pointer? Nope. <laughs> uh, be filled with the fullness of God. And in being filled with the fullness of God, I just want to take you that we yield our lives to his control. 
Are you willing this morning to yield your life to his control? Totally. Even if it means that it may bring hardship to you or pain, are you still willing to yield knowing that he has a divine plan for your life? Do you remember our old friend Job? He had everything, and then he lost everything. And then he had everything. And Job says, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And and you know, this is understanding the will of God. Because when you understand the will of God, when you have His character in you, then as these things come in our lives, we can rejoice in Him. Like it says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice Review and Herald, July 4th, 1899. Draw nigh to God and to one another. Interesting. Not only should we draw nigh to God, but we are brothers and sisters here. We need to draw nigh to one another. By desire, by silent prayer, by resistance of satanic agencies, put your will on the side of God's will. While you have one desire to resist the devil and sincerely pray, Deliver me from temptation. And guess what? You will have the strength for the day. There's a song. Oh, victory in Jesus. I love that song. You know, if I knew all the words, (laughs) I would say hallelujah. Uh, But it is such a wonderful song because, you know, you can have victory. We do not have to be confined to the ploys of Satan, but we can have victory at every aspect of our life. And and it's because we are working and surrendered our will to his will. Those who humbly and prayerfully search the scriptures to know God's will will not be in doubt of their obligation to God. And I know Ellen White wrote this. This is Christian education. But I have to say, I don't totally agree with that word obligation. Because when I totally surrender my will to God and I search the scriptures, it is not an obligation to serve him. But it is a, a, a rejoice. Now, I want to make sure you guys don't walk away misunderstanding me. I'm not saying Ellen White's wrong. <laughs> I may not understand her interpretation of the word obligation. But I, I, I want you to understand that as I, I, we serve him, it is a joy to serve him. Amen. Thank you, brother. Don't doubt your Christian experience, that you know that you are in his will. Good. Can I I write that as a quote? Glenn, Brother Glenn. Adventist home. It is the will of God. If the will of God is fulfilled, the husband and wife. Oh, listen to my wife, I think, reminds me of this one all the time. If the will of God is fulfilled, the husband and wife will respect each other and cultivate love and confidence. 
Anything that would mar the peace and unity of the family should be firmly repressed and kindness and love should be cherished. You want to know what the will of God is? A happy marriage is the will of God. A happy family is the will of God. And if you don't have that, it is a, a red light telling you you need to go to God and make things right. Because your family, a lot of times, is the indicator of what's taking place in the soul. You got a smile, Steve? No, 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 let's not do that. Let's not, let's not replace it with obligation. I, that is true. Not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. That's the point I wanted to bring out. Not an obligation, but a hard experience. The result is, but he who does the will of God will what? Abide forever. I hope and pray that you have a better understanding of what the will of God is as you pray. And we had conversational prayer yesterday, and and I'm not sure how we're doing on time five. I'm just going to close with a word of prayer, and tomorrow we're going to have conversational prayer. And then on Friday, I'm going to take you through the sanctuary experience of praying with God. And uh, tomorrow's message will be praying like David. Shall we bow our heads? Our gracious and loving Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for your loving kindness. Father, we, we lift up our hearts and wills to you that we may work and live within your will for us. Father, I pray that your spirit be upon each individual here. And as they listen to the rest of the speakers, that they will be blessed and that your presence will overwhelm them and that they will cherish and long to know you more and to know you more and to serve others more. So, Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that you've given us. We thank you for the briskness that brings life to us. And Father, we just pray that you will draw us closer to one another, that we truly can call ourselves brothers and sisters. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.